Welcome to the Lemper Report Live. The changing role of social and search. Whoever would have thought that Skittles could be toxic. Store brands go to battle with CPG brands. There is one bright spot to food inflation. We're going to talk about that one. Those mini snack packs are back. The Category Management Association talks about meeting consumer needs through retail analytics as inflation goes up. And today on the bullseye, another marketing stunt, this time from the makers of Velveeta. Let's get started. So, Sally, Google's senior vice president said in a conference this month that new Internet users don't have the expectations and the mindset that we've become accustomed to. In the Google studies, something like almost 40% of young people, when they're looking for a place for lunch, for example, they don't go to Google Maps, they don't go to search, they go to TikTok or Instagram. What's up with that? <laughs> well, it's it's very telling of our younger generation coming up and that they are looking for a more visually rich experience. Um, it seems as though they're looking for um, influencers, um, people that they admire, that they like seeing on social media to give their opinions about things. Um, TikTok uh, now has 24% of their global audience is women 18 to 24 years old. And then under that is 18% of men that are, are eight, that are 18 to 24 years old. And so this is definitely the direction it seems like that our younger generation is going. I mean, I remember the days of when, you know, we would look up Ask Jeeves on the internet right. to like to find the answer to something, but it's a whole different experience now doing research. And now I think what's so interesting to me is a lot of the junk food brands are encouraging TikTok users to market their products for them. You know, that just came out from BGM Global Health. A new study was published there. And the health experts are saying that given the video hosting service popularity with kids, especially, the policies are needed to protect them. The researchers found that unhealthy food and drink brands are encouraging TikTok users to market these products, actively turning them into brand ambassadors as well as using their own accounts for promotional activity. The bad news, to your point, more than a third of TikTok's daily users in the U.S. are 14 years and younger. Wow, that is a younger audience. And I know we've heard things about energy drinks and junk food and alcohol and those being the the big ads that are getting in front of these young people. So we'll see what sort of um, what sort of steps these companies take to curb that. And as we're talking about, um, you know, kids and we're talking. When we're talking about, you know, uh, junk food, um, I'm sure everybody has now heard about the class action lawsuit that was filed, um, I think it was July 14th in California against Mars Inc. They're stating that the candy maker back in 2016 had promised to remove titanium dioxide from their ingredients in Skittles. And they stated it publicly that it posed a significant health risk to unsuspecting consumers. Now, here's the facts. 
Titanium dioxide is found in thousands of foods, everything from chewing gum to baked goods to salad dressing, even in ice creams. It's also used in medication and sunscreens, paint and plastics. Uh, but according to the FDA, who approved it back for use in 1966, it is safe as long as it does not exceed 1% of the food's weight. Now, in the past couple of years, just over the past two years, due to new research, it's been banned in France and then the EU, with the exception of Britain, for use in foods. Scientists disagree about its toxicity, so it's not clear if it's safe or not. Uh, but according to the Environmental Working Group, even if you try to avoid it and say, this is what scares me, it could be difficult as food companies are not required to include it and listing it in their ingredients. And in a lot of cases, like on processed foods, it just states on the label, color added. So the best bet to avoid it is to avoid foods that do not contain added coloring. Yep, it's another food crime. What do you think? <laughs> I found that absolutely uh, disturbing what, what you just pointed out about the fact that this ingredient, you know, may or may not be listed on packaging. And it makes me wonder about other things too. But but the most important thing is that, you know, um, I read uh, that Dr. Marion Nessel, who, you know, we have a great deal of respect for, she made a point about this particular topic that I thought was really fair that, you know, to the Mars company, if there is a chance that it's that it is in there and it's, it, that it's getting in and causing cancer, then why wouldn't you just take it out? Yep. Yep. And even if it costs you more, yes. um, who who cares? Uh, there's a new report called The Power of Private Brands uh, that FMI just came out with. And what they found is three quarters of shoppers anticipate continuing to purchase more store brands in the future. Now, the problem is that brands face more threats from private labels as this food inflation keeps on going up and up. And up. And now a lot of these retailers are fighting back against brands. Um, what what is really curious to me, Sally, is whether or not uh, we're going to see a fight really taking place between brands and retailers, and the retailers just stop carrying a lot of brands. I wondered the same thing reading about this. And, and you know, one of the things that I that that I learned was that, you know, most consumers when they're shopping online on a retailer site, that after the first page of searching for something, they're they're more they're more than likely not going to be on go beyond that to see what their other brand alternatives are. So if you don't get your product on that first page, and you know, a lot of these retailers are going to want their own brands on there on that first page, then you may not get very much vis visibility with shoppers. And what you're also seeing is now uh, they're calling it swaps. So I go for a certain brand, I click on that online, and guess what? You know, the private brand comes up um, and it says how much difference it costs in price and the availability and things like that. So a lot of changes are gonna happen. Um, so some good news about food inflation, Costco, is not raising the price of its rotisserie kitchen. It's still $4.99, the price it's been for 12 years, even though in the past year, chicken prices have increased by 
0.6%. So Costco, big in the chicken business, they sell 100 million chickens every year. They use it as a loss leader the same way they do with their hot dogs and, and soda. Um, you know, I think the thing that I find the weirdest is Costco's rotisserie chickens have its own Facebook page and their own <laughs> followers. Um, and hey, you know, I give a lot of credit to Costco, not only about the price of what they've done, but, you know, they're vertically integrated as it relates to chickens. So what they've done is they've made improvements in the slaughter of the chickens. They've improved the conditions for meat processing workers. They're cleaning up the air and the water pollution from these factories. So, you know, the bottom line is it's possible to make improvements in our food supply and still keep the price low. Are you a Costco rotisserie chicken person? I am not a Costco shopper, and I really want to be. I keep trying to remember that I need to get out there and try it out. But um, this, you know, I know a rotisserie chicken at my local Kroger um, or my Publix is is going to be eight to ten dollars there. And so, I mean, this is a great way, especially right now, to get people into the store um, and to fill their carts up with other items and. And, and totally agree with the vertical integration that, you know, this is something that, you know, not only is probably helping them keep the, the cost down and saving them money, but maybe it actually allows for a little bit more of regulating of the process of, you know, of, of the poultry farms and making sure that everything is, you know, is going according to ethics. Yeah, and you know we've we've seen a lot um, out of the Biden administration where they're talking about you know going after meatpacking facilities and you know because it's only in the hands of four companies um, it really you know hurts consumers. But this story with Costco, you know, um, it it really proves that you can do it right and you could save money. Um, you'll probably remember, Sally, that you know a few years ago, I think we did a story when Kraft came out with their 100-calorie packs. Um, it was a way to try to help consumers to eat less, have less calories. And the problem was that, bottom line is, all the customers were calling up the Kraft hotline, the 800 number, complaining that the 100-calorie packs didn't have enough food. So, you know, you almost can't win. Uh, but, you know, a new report has come out from the Future Market Insights, and they anticipate that the portion packs this time around is going to hit $3.6 billion this year and grow to $7.3 billion by 2032. And what they're saying is really because of the pandemic, we got used to packaging in single servings. And as a result of that, we're not going to move away from it, whether it's because of the pandemic or, frankly, um, you know, to save money um, or to eat healthier. Any any of those things are just not going to happen. Um, you know, PepsiCo noted in its earnings release this month that small formal snacks are seeing huge growth, especially products with full sugar in them. Uh, Danone, known for yogurts like Activia, um, Danone, Orkios, is seeing heightened demand and popularity in different formats beyond the, the cups of yogurt. Um, we're just seeing everybody getting into these small packs again. 
Yes. And, you know, it does make sense on the heels of a pandemic. I can say as a mother, I am exhausted um, from preparing food <laughs> and um, and, you know, just all of the things that came along with the pandemic. And so um, it makes sense that, you know, people want a break. Just they just want something to be easy. Um, it's portion control. Uh, it's great for kids. But then on the other hand, you know, there's the other side, um, which I wonder you know how what what will be the effect of this is the, there's the planet conscious people yep. and those mini packs you know i know some of my planet conscious friends would give me the stink eye if i had you know a, a mini bottle of water or something like that you know because that would not be um taking care of the planet in their mind so you know so there's the waste issue as well so maybe we can find a balance in that you know materials that and packaging that are used that aren't um that are recyclable and so that we can enjoy buying food this way yeah and and there's a lot of new packaging materials that have plant-based packaging and so on and we really need to to explore that so Category Management Association's recent webinar took a look at meeting the shopper's needs in these inflationary times through retail analytics. For the complete webinar, just go to Category Management Association's website, but here's a teaser. So we look at who's winning as consumers focus on affordability. There's tons of data points out there. It's really difficult for you and your teams to monitor it. A couple of the interesting ones that we've pulled out is that lower income buying trends, they're shifting away from fresh. The affordability aspect is really hitting hard in fresh meat and produce. And there's alternatives here. There's high quality alternatives, but additionally, it's coming back to affordability. So those losses that we're seeing in terms of some of the higher cost items, some of those hit more by inflation, they're shifting to things with a bit more stable pricing where consumers are feeling there's more bang for their buck. Okay? So with 25% switching to stores, offering more coupons and deals, that's a real odd one in my mind. In past periods of inflation, in past periods of rising costs, we heard a lot of consumers saying, I'm going to shift to a different store that has more everyday low pricing, that has a better value proposition. But now what we're hearing is consumers saying, I'm only going to buy when it's on sale, and I'm going to look for those special deals. It's a little bit different than we've seen in past markets, and we're really interested to continue tracking that trend and seeing how it's being activated. On today's Bullseye, the 100-year-old Velveeta brand's marketing team wants to shake things up a bit and create buzz in a relationship with younger generations. How? Well, last year, they launched a Velveeta-scented nail polish. And now, this summer, with BLT restaurants, they launched a Velveeta-infused martini. It's called the Veltini. I would not drink that. The Kraft Heinz marketers are trying to make Velveeta an aspirational lifestyle brand. Hey, I accept Velveeta for what it is, a pasteurized prepared cheese product. It can't even be called cheese food. I grew up with my dad being in the cheese business and my father would not even allow it in our house, even though my mom liked the way it melted on macaroni. 
The truth is that the original recipe was made from Swiss cheese and whey. Yes, real cheese. It was created in the early 1900s, and then Kraft bought it in 1927. From then on, the recipe has evolved into what it is today. Milk, whey, whey protein concentrate, milk fat, sodium phosphate, milk protein concentrate, and it contains less than 2% of various preservatives and, and coloring. Now, the brilliant marketers in Kraft were, in fact, able to buy the American Medical Association's endorsement back in 1931. The AMA said that Belveda's nutritional value built firm flesh. What does that mean anyway? Fat? And no, Velveeta does not require refrigeration. And according to the company, it has a shelf life of 210 days. Maybe nail polish isn't such a bad idea after all for Velveeta. Sally, any comments today? Yes, we do have some comments. Um, Suzette McKee um, has commented on Facebook, and she says that she prefers to buy meat from animals raised ethically that have had a better life. Uh, she also says that she would be interested in your thoughts on placement of global foods in either their own aisle or integrated with other choices. For example, gray poupon versus Chinese mustard. One is in the condiment aisle and the other is in the ethnic or global aisle. Now, a lot of that has to do with distribution. Um, so what you have is you have specialty food distributors, uh, for example, that, you know, sell the Chinese mustard. They get a section of the shelf, usually five to six feet, and they can put on that shelf whatever they want. Other brands like Grey Poupon go into the supermarket's warehouse. Um, so there was actually a Topps Market in Buffalo, New York, um, that created a format. This goes back uh, maybe 30, 35 years ago uh, called World Market. And Suzette, they tried exactly, you know, what you're proposing, that, you know, all the all the global foods were together and made it easier to find. Didn't work. What other comments do we have? Uh, John Pandall has commented on Facebook and he says consumers supposedly want to know where their food comes from, then increasingly buy store brands where the origin is a state secret. Do I co-pack private label or turn down that business? What to do? Yep. And and also, I think, you know, it goes beyond food. What I'm starting to see now as more supermarkets are selling supplements, nutritional supplements, they're not even putting a country of origin on it. And I'll tell you, during the last administration, they got rid of country of origin for meats and so on. The good news is the Biden administration is reinstituting that. But I believe, John, as I think you do, everything should have on its country of origin. I don't care where it comes from. And, and this whole, whole idea of not having to list titanium dioxide as an ingredient, I mean, it's shameful. As I said, it's a food crime. So with that, thank you all for joining us. Don't forget to go to supermarketguru.com. You can see all the episodes, all our past episodes. And until next week, where we will meet you here again, same time, same place. Have a great week. Read those labels. And if you see something that's a food crime, tell me about it. Phil at supermarketguru.com.